us something that watching Ernest and Lex and their family and watching them walk with Jesus, what that's done for you, what that's done to you, how's it helped you, how's it blessed you? strong they both are as parents and how well they're doing is such an inspiration because I know that if they can do it, I can do it too. They've been in the dirt like I have. And Richard. If you can come up, anybody else can too. And the way that they try and be parental figures to my kids too sometimes is Spencer and Charlie and including them and their kids love my kids I was trying to get Richard and Eloise up here at the front because uh, Richard is Ernest's dad, and I wanted him in on this. But if y'all saw Eloise when I told her to come to the front, she turned around and ignored me and walked to the back. Yeah, I know how it works, Eloise. That's the way everybody else does around here. I thought we were friends. Okay, anyway, Richard and Eloise, y'all didn't get to hear this. Uh, today is Ernest's birthday in Jesus. Three years today. Uh, tell me what how Jesus has blessed you through watching Ernest uh, in his walk with Jesus, his growth, his service. Uh, Ernest and I are a lot alike. We made a mess of our lives, a big mess. And uh, <coughs> when I'm discouraged, thinking I'm not going to make it, then I look at the blessings that uh, Ernest has in his life, and not just the ones that he has in his life, but the way that he's blessing other people by his, uh, the way he teaches is, wow, if you've ever been, if you haven't been to one of Ernest's classes, I would suggest that you try it because he reaches you on a different level. He reaches you on a level that people like me would be reached on. Excellent. It's been a blessing to just know him. Last call. Now, you're going to get a chance to talk to him afterwards. But something Ernest, God, God is working amazing things. Well, Ernest's favorite, well, I'll say my part in a minute. Brad, your last call. I just, the, the faith and trust that he has in God by doing what he does, teaching and talking about Jesus to people, you know, gives me courage to do the same thing. Um, knowing what he's been through and where he's been and Imagine that. The story he has to tell is a little bit what Brad was saying. The story he has to tell can reach so many people that I can't reach, that other people can't reach. And it's just every time I hear it, it's, it's just it's encouraging. And it's also, I think, it's so helpful to so many people who are struggling through things. He, he knows where they're at. He knows how they feel. Yeah. Uh, it's my turn. Oh, we're tying the knot. You get a chance to hug his neck later. And I know I'm in trouble for not letting y'all talk, but I'm not going to look at anybody. But since I get, I'm standing here, I get to be the one. I'm going to tie the knot on that, and then we'll do some other things. Uh, Ernest's favorite Bible story, the very first Bible story that he ever preached. 
uh, was Mark chapter 5. The story of the demon-possessed man that Jesus met in the graveyard, remember? Cast out his demons. The next time you saw him, he's sitting and he's clothed and he's in his right mind. He loves to preach that story. Uh, and at the end of that, do you remember? He wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus tells him, no, you go, you tell your family, you tell your people what great things the Lord has done for you. That's exactly, that is exactly what Ernest does every day at work, at home, uh, family, friends, neighbors, complete strangers. He tries to let people know the good news that Jesus, if nobody else can, Jesus can. But it says uh, in that text, after that man goes and does that, it says, and all the people were amazed. If I, if I was going to pick a verse that describes how I feel about what I've watched God do through earnest, it would be that. I'm amazed at what God has done and grateful to be a witness to it. You are loved. Let me catch my breath. Um, oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. That time of the year, folks talking about Christmas. We started talking about it last week. There's so many things, so many stories, so many traditions, so many fairy tales that have been uh, started about what took place that day. Uh, you and I know that Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. We know that that's not his actual birthday. We know, but we know some other things too. Uh, but I'll let you tell me. What are some of the other things we know? Just what do we know for real? Because it's important to us in this place. Don't know if it's important to anybody else. Uh, we always love people talking about Jesus. So we don't care how they do it. We just want them to talk about Jesus. But if we're going to talk about Jesus, let's be honest. Let's be real about it. Let's, be, let's get serious. Tell me something you know about that day that's different than the stories, different than the fairy tale version, different than the traditional version. What do you know? What's different? Flesh and blood baby. He did not have a, he was not plastic. He didn't have a light bulb in his belly. He didn't glow in the dark like you see all these nativity scenes. Tell me what you know is real. What do you know is real? Real about that moment. Well, it was cold and and else. Yeah, I don't know how cold or hot it was, but it was stinky. Because if people lived in that world, that was stinky. All right, what else? What do you know about it? Bible says that God became flesh. He lived here with us. 
What's real about that moment? What's real about that moment? And we're going to go into that in just a minute. There's things that we talk about before. If, it's a, if it was a newborn baby, was it a silent night? No. Probably not so much. Was there a drummer boy? No. no way Mary would have sent him packing or beat him with the drumsticks, right? Uh, tell me about, we talk about, we talk about nativity scenes. We talk about stables. None of that is part of the, what's real. We know he was wrapped and put in a feeding trough, a manger, but we don't know about nativity. We don't know about little sh uh, stables. We don't know about that kind of stuff. I don't know what kind of hay was there. I don't know what kind of animals watched that moment. I do know that there was a mama there, and I do know there was a man that was going to be his daddy there, and that's where we started last week. You remember? When God gets ready in Matthew chapter 1 to talk about the most important event in human history, when God becomes flesh, when He gets ready to talk about that story, He starts first by telling us about the man. Now we're going to, uh, and I saw you start turning, I should have told you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And those of you who are just getting started in your Bible study, look for those red letters. And Matthew will be the first book with red letters. Mark will be the second. And then there will be a book called Luke. You want to be in Luke 1. But from last week, those of you who are here, what do I know about Joseph? What do I know about the guy that was going to be Jesus' daddy? He was a righteous man. Now stop a second. If you hear that word, now those of you who are church folks, those of you who have grown up going to church, you're going to have a different definition than some of us who didn't grow up going to church. So somebody tell me, what does righteous mean? He does what's right. Right? And that's how I grew up that way, being taught. A righteous man is the fellow that does things that are right. But you know what I noticed as I read my Bible? What did you notice? You tell me. What did I notice? What did I notice about righteous men like Noah? Righteous men like Abraham? Righteous men like Moses? Righteous men like David? What did I notice? They messed up. They weren't always glow-in-the-dark right, were they? So what does it mean to be righteous? to be forgiven, and it says that you can't get righteous without faith, right? So when you read about Joseph being a righteous man, you know what? He had faith in God, and you see that how it's demonstrated. What else do you know about Joseph? He was very considerate. Well, and what, he makes, what makes you think he's considerate? He was going to divorce Mary, because what do you think? And when Mary finally told him, said, honey, i got to tell you, I'm going to have a baby. Joseph may have listened to the whole story. I don't know. But even after she finished whatever story she told him, what did he know? It wasn't his baby. And what did he believe? Somebody else. That's somebody else's baby. And what was he ready to do? To divorce her. Now he was going to do it privately, going to do it in secret so she wouldn't face consequences of it. But he was, going to, he was out. Right? But an angel came to him, remember? And he decided to stay. He obeyed the Lord. Ah. He obeyed the Lord and did what? He didn't just marry her. He didn't just take her home as his wife. He didn't just stay with her. What else did he do? 
He waited until after Jesus was born for him to enjoy, claim the rights of a husband and a wife, husband and wife relationship. Now hang on. What does that tell you about him? Somebody tell me what that tells you about him. He is a man of character. Tell me what that tells you about him. He is considerate. Very strong man. Self-control. I'm sorry? Faithful. All those are good. All those are good words. He went into that relationship not worried about what he was going to get, but what he was going to give. Now I'm going to say it one more time. It's not the point of our lesson, but we got folks sitting in this room that are in that place of making choices about mates. And some of you are looking for a mate that can give you what you want. Maybe you ought to be thinking, looking for a mate that you can give what you, what they need. Not what they want, but what you, they need, right? It's not about what I get. It's about what I give. That's, Mo, that's Joseph. I'm going to call him Moses, I promise. That's Joseph. Now go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. When God is discussing the most important event in human history, look at verse 26. He sends an angel named Gabriel to Nazareth. That's where this fellow named Joseph, this lady named Mary, lived. Now keep reading. And this would have happened before the story last week, so you'll have to adjust. But look what it says. He was sent to the woman, sent to the, the angel Gabriel of Nat, to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. What's the first thing it says about Mary? First, she's a virgin. I don't need to know the biological definition of that. We're old, we're old enough. We understand that, right? That's not what I'm looking for. What does it tell you about her? That in that world, in that culture, what was it like that she was a virgin? What do you know about her? She was righteous. What do you know about her? Keep telling me. Keep talking. She was pure. But what does that tell you about her? She's obedient to God. God had said, she had read somewhere there was a commandment, thou shalt not. And she obeyed that commandment. What does it tell you about her? I'm sorry? She didn't mess around. Now, I like somebody being just saying it the way we regularly say it, right? Now, and she wasn't talking. I, I love you, but some of y'all, and y'all come to talk to me and said, ah, well, I've got this guy I'm talking to, and then I find out you ain't talking. You're talking. Y'all need to change your definition of talk, right? Oh, well, we've just been talking. What do you mean by talking? She didn't talk. She didn't mess around. All right, so what does it tell you? Be honest about it. Be real. Stop. No Sunday school. No Sunday school stuff. Tell me what it means. Here's a girl that has the right to have a physical relationship with a man because she is married to him. She doesn't have to break the commandment to have relations with him. She is married to him. But she is still a virgin when Gabriel shows up there. What does it tell you about her? She valued herself. She wasn't just some piece of meat that some guy could use. No, she was a, she valued herself. I, I don't know that she ever dreamed that she would be the mother of the Son of God, but she believed that there was something, that, some purpose in her life, right? 
What do I know about her? What do you know about her? She didn't mess around. She didn't go talking to anybody. What, what do I know? She was more uh, focused, cared more about what God had to say than her friends or her mind, her thoughts, her heart. She believed God was right. And everybody else, who cares? They're wrong if they don't agree with God, right? I'm going to ask just ladies, just ladies to answer. What does it tell you about a young lady that had just had the same kind of normal, we assume the normal same, uh, same normal kind of passions that you have, that she chose to not surrender that? Self-respect. What word comes to your mind? Discipline. Discipline. What word comes to your mind? Admirable. Faithful. I would say she was very trusting to know that even though she is married, that God gave her that responsibility and to cherish that. Even though it's hard to believe it, she still trusted him to carry that through before she made that next decision. I've heard, I've heard it said so often, and I've heard it in here. Well, I'm afraid I'll lose him. I don't want to lose him because he's such a good guy. Now, what some of you mean good, some of you need to adjust your definition of good. He doesn't have a job. I only hits you on Thursdays, but he's a good guy. Yeah, okay. But you start trying to keep him. You start trying to please him. You start trying to have him rather than letting trusting God and letting God work that out. She was a virgin. But she was a virgin that was betrothed to be married, pledged to be married. It means she was married, y'all. They just hadn't, our culture would say they hadn't gone on their honeymoon. They had not been together sexually at all. Okay, so now what do I know about her? The fact that she's pledged to be married, what do I know? She probably had this idea, this whole plan in her head about how her life was going to be. Like, I'm going to have a husband, I'm going to have a family, I'm going to have. No, no, no. Come on. Women don't plan that kind of stuff, do they? Yeah, right. Tell me, everybody, and women, women, be honest, be honest. How many of you started looking at, um, <laughs> how many of you started looking at bridal books before you could read so you could look at what the dresses were looking like, right? Now hold up your hand. Don't be lying to me. I know. Yeah, yeah. And some of you are going like this. Yeah, I know. I saw you, Brenda. Yeah. Point is, that's what we do, right? L ladies, you start thinking about it. You start dreaming about it. What my wedding's going to look like. Now, time out. Some of you worry more about your wedding than your marriage. We need to work on that. But you talk about the wedding. And then you start dreaming about the guy. In fact, girls, ladies, how many of you on your book covers and on little scratch pads or on your homework or on your notes, did you wrote little hearts with his initials? Huh? Yep, yep, yep. I thought so. Now, Mary was doing the same thing, I expect, and she was writing it backwards because it was in Hebrew. But, I mean, she was doing the same thing, right? She was had all the same plan. How many of you, how many of you, when you started planning your wedding, then you started thinking about your honeymoon and you started thinking where we're going to go and how romantic it's going to be and you had all those kind of things come up. Don't hold up your hand. You'd be lying. Uh, <laughs> how many of you, the point is, 
she was doing the same thing. She was planning what a normal life was going to be for her. She knew her husband's name. She probably had already started thinking about what they were going to name their children. She had the same kind of desires for a husband, the same kind of desires for a family, the same kind of desires for a normal life that any of us would have, right? And then what happens? Then what happens? Then what happens? God intervenes. An angel beams down. Look what he says. Look what he says. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now stop a second. We've read that so much in the Bible, we don't, we don't pick up on what that means. What does it mean to be highly favored? You're my favorite. An angel beams down to Mary. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know if she's milking the cow. I don't know if she's taking out the, the trash. I don't know if she's kneading the dough. I don't know what she's doing. But all of a sudden, this girl... A virgin who is pledged to be married to Joseph, who's got all these plans, got all these dreams, got all this going on for her. And an angel stops and says, you're God's favorite. Your reaction, your reaction is somebody says, you're their favorite. Honest. Your reaction. Are you sure? What? What do you want? Yeah, yeah. That's it. What do you want, right? Why me? When somebody says that to you, or if they've ever said it to you, you're my favorite, what do you think? What? You don't know me. What do you want? Makes, makes you happy? That's a good thing. What? Yes. Last call. We even provide music to, to people in this church. All right, here's the point. I, I, there's one that came up in the first meeting that says, uh, he tells that to everybody. I don't know about any of that. I just know God said to this one, you're highly favored. Did God see something in Mary that he wanted for his son? Listen to me. Did God see something in Mary that he wanted for his son? One more time, focus. Did God see something in Mary that He wanted for His Son? Yes. Time out just a second. Just put a little asterisk there. Ladies, those of you who are mothers, did God see something in you that He wanted for your children? Now, I'm not saying you lived up to it. And some of us didn't, did we? But did he see it? Was it there? He says to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. What's immediately going through Mary's mind? Immediately going through Mary, he's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to be, his, the Lord God is going to put him on his throne forever. Uh, Father David and on the house, on the reign over the house of Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. What's going through Mary's mind? Think, 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 think real. Don't think Sunday school. Because what y'all would do, uh, church folks would start thinking, well now listen, does that mean that he's going to reign upon the earth or is it going to be in, in a thousand years? We'd start wearing some kind of doctrine stuff. What Mary's first response? I think she blocked out that other bit, yeah. I'm going to have a child and her reaction is? 
she must have been, a, yeah, good point. She must have been afraid, right? Because the angel said, don't be afraid. And then he says, you're going to have a baby. And she goes, now, time out a second. We have watched all kinds of Christmas plays. We've heard all kinds of Christmas sermons. We've watched movies. The angel beams down in front of Mary and he says, highly favored, you're going to have a, a baby. And she goes, oh yes, thank you. It's what I've always wanted. And she kind of skips off to live happily forever after with Joseph. The reality is, he says, you're going to have a baby. And her reaction is... Okay, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. First reaction, right in the text. First reaction. First reaction. It's impossible. And I think, and I'm just, I'm telling you, I think it. It's what my imagination does. But I think she has an attitude with him. What do you mean I'm going to have a baby? I'm not that kind of girl. I've not done that. I'm not going to do that. I've been betrayed. I don't know all the excuses she would have given, but she doesn't believe that can happen. Why can't it happen? Because she has not been with a man. She knows that's impossible, right? And she defends her honor. She defends herself. I'm a good girl. I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that until after it. No way. It's not going to happen. And then God says to her, The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Look at that last verse in 27, the last verse of the paragraph. For nothing is impossible with God. So is there fear in this little girl's heart? Yes. yes. Fear for just the act of childbirth. I don't... How about the conception? She knows how babies are conceived. But now she's being told that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her. Has that ever happened before? Has anything ever been written about that before? Had there ever been any discussions about that? She had no idea what that was going to mean. She had no idea how that was going to be, take place. So was there fear? Yeah. But there was something else. And Brad just said it. And we're going to get to Brian's in a minute. What do you do? You find out you're pregnant. The first person you're going to talk to. Mom. Mom, you go talk to mom, and you go talk to mom. Now, I need honest. I need honest. You go talk to mom, and you say, Mama, I'm pregnant. Reaction? And, and, no, 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 no. No joke. No teasing. Reaction. Real reaction. Anger. Anger. Crying. Disbelief. Disappointment. So, is there any of that fear in her on how mom's going to react? And then add to it that he's, she's going to say, have to say, Mom, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't go messing around. <laughs> Mom, an angel came to me and the Holy Spirit caused me to be pregnant. And she's going to say, Yeah, I don't care what his name is. He wasn't no angel, right? <laughs> I, was Mary real? Yeah. She's not plastic coated. Uh uh. She's not gold plated. It's not fairy tale stuff. 
This is not church tradition stuff. This is a real girl who had real plans. And God interrupted those plans and scared her to death. And then she had to go tell her mama. Who else did she have to tell? She had to tell her husband. How'd that conversation? You tell me, how did that conversation go? Not good. Because his reaction was, I'm out of here. I'm done. It's No, I am not going to stay with you. I don't know if he accused her of anything. I just know his reaction was, I want nothing to do with this. That's not my child. I'm out. That's why God had to stop him from divorcing her, right? But then let's talk about what Brian just said. And it doesn't say. So I'm asking you just to let your heart read your own experience. Pregnant before you needed to be. Pregnant before you wanted to be. Pregnant before people would accept that. What happens? What's going through her mind? What does she lose besides the respect of her parents? What does she lose besides the respect of her husband? What does she lose? What is she, what is she in danger of losing? Her life. I heard her reputation. What's she going to lose? No, she's going to be an adult. Some of you, some of you know this, right? You had babies while you were still babies. And what happened to your childhood? What happened to all that? And I know you thought, oh, it'll be nice to have a little baby and this baby will love me. And uh, you have to wait till they're about 45 for that to happen. <laughs> if it happens at all, right? But what'd you find out? And let's, let's be honest about it. Mamas, what'd you find out? What'd you find out? Those of you who had babies when you were a baby, what'd you find out? What happened? And all those guys that whispered all those sweet things, where are they? They're gone. What's she going to lose, y'all? All of her dreams. She lost everything that she wanted. She wanted a husband with a family. And in a split second, he told her, no. No, I have plans for you. I have plans. Catch your breath. What's it like when what you want goes against what God wants.
really, really fast because one of us had to. But I felt like I wasn't just raising my child, I was raising my husband also because we were the same age and we were both 15. And it was, it was hard. Um, I reprioritized a lot of stuff. School became very important. I was lucky that I was surrounded by um, teachers and principals who actually cared and knew that I could do more. They believed in me more than I believed in myself. And it's because of them that I did try to push myself and excel. And then um, I still went off the wayward side and, and let other things control me when I shouldn't have. So what do you learn? When God comes into your world and His will is different than yours, when all those dreams go out the window, Will Mary eventually have Joseph as her husband in a physical, sexual way? Yes. Yeah. Will she have children in that normal, what she'd always planned kind of way? Yes, she will. Will her life ever be the same? No. Point is... When God's talking about the greatest event that ever took place in the history of the world, He talks to us about the man He's going to entrust Jesus to as a father, as a dad. And he's going to, He shows us the woman that He's going to entrust her, His son to as a mama. We're serious about this time of the year. We're serious about Christmas. I'm not talking Santa Claus. I'm not talking about presents. I'm not talking about all that stuff that has so confused us. When God gets ready to send Jesus to the world, He chooses men who want to have faith, that have faith, and He's going to choose a woman who wants to have faith. Right? And she says to God, look at the next verse, verse 38. She says to God, I'm your servant. Stop. If she says that and means it, what does it mean? I'll do whatever you tell me. Because that's what a servant is. That's what a slave does. Does whatever the master says, whether she likes it or not, whether she understands it or not, whether she's ever, it's ever going to work out for her good or not. She's just going to do whatever Jesus says, whatever God says. Right? And read the next phrase. I am the Lord's servant... Read it. May it be to me as you have said. My old Bible said, Be it unto me according to your word. In other words, not my will, your will be done. Is it any wonder that Jesus learned to pray that way? Is it any wonder that Jesus learned to pray, Not my will, but your will be done? Because the man that he called Daddy had to make the same decision. And the woman that he called Mama had to make the same kind of decision. You ready to make that? Because that's what, that's what every day is about, and that's what today is about. And any day God gives us, let's make up our minds, not what we want, but what He wants. Now you're going to do whatever you do when we remember Jesus and when we eat this supper. 
But I'd like you to focus on this. What is there in your life you need to stop? You need to stop so that you can do, start doing the will of God. And what is it in your life that you need to start that you haven't started yet because it is the will of God? So when you eat the bread, when you drink the cup, when you take that body of Jesus, when you taste that blood of Jesus, when you do that and you remember them, remember Him, then you decide, what am I going to do? My will or His will? Uh, give us a chance to get to know you. Take a chance on getting to know us, all right? Let me introduce you to some folks that you need to know. I, I haven't gotten a chance to do it. You need to see. Gerardo, would you please stand? And I want you to say your name like it's supposed to be said instead of the way I butcher it. One more time. On November the 20th, Gerardo confessed his faith in Jesus and received a new life. And he's our brother. And then last, was it last Sunday after y'all all went home? Didn't even know anything was going on. God was doing some amazing things here. Sandy, Veronica, would y'all stand up? Jose's not with you today, right? Uh, this is, Sineda is what her name is, but they call her Sandy. And this is Veronica, okay? Now, they're kin to Esmeralda, not E2, Esmeralda. But they, one week ago today, received their new life in Jesus. And we want to welcome them to the family. All right. Here's where we tie the knot on this day. A lot of talk about Christmas, a lot of talk, and, and I... Honest, I hear when I hear from you, Christmas stresses you out. It it makes you a bundle of nerves. You and what I'm hearing most is, I'm worried about if I'm going to get the right presents. And some of you are worried about, am I even going to get any presents to, for my kids and stuff? Let's talk a second. What's the best thing after talking to Joseph about Joseph and after talking about Mary? What's the very best thing? The very best thing you could give to your family, to your kids, to your mates, to your family at Christmas. First, your love of God, your own example, and then after that, your time. Love of God, your example, and time. Yeah. The reason for the season. Explain to the little ones that. What do you, what's the best thing What's the most important gift you could give, willing to give? <coughs> Quality time, commitment. That it's not just Christmas. It's not about getting. It should be about giving, shouldn't it? Michael. Do what God said. 
Last call, best gift, most important gift. Catherine? So yesterday I realized that the time that we have with our family is, I may not always have that time. You know, my kids are growing up and uh, they're going to do things with their own family and start with their own family here. And uh, I felt that loss yesterday. I was like hurt and proud of got to tie the knot. Uh, you want to be, you want your children to have the very best, then let them see you give your very best. Be that example. But it's stand before God and repeat after Mary, I am the Lord's servant, and may it be to me according to your word. I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you have said. I'll quote it right. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you have said. That, those words, but that heart is the best thing anybody can give anytime to your children, to your family. Last time is a prayer. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's don't forget our gift, our love box here. For those of you who want to help some of our folks with uh, things that come along at Christmas, it's right here. If not, or you can or you can't, it's up to you. But before you leave here, hug somebody, whether you like them or not.